0: have been forced to confront the world outside of the bubbles. Not a temporary shift, but some kind of permanent change that we have been thrust into with this recession, 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 recession. We have a liftoff. Have you ever thought about just how many zeros there are in one trillion? There are 12 zeros in a trillion. A six-figure salary has five zeros. A million dollars, that's six zeros. A billion, that's eight zeros. A trillion, 12 zeros. The scale is almost unimaginable. The idea of the Federal Reserve with a $6 trillion balance sheet to put to work. Intervening in the securities markets, supporting banks, you know, all this sort of thing, was unheard of. The dollars being put forth via the CARES Act in the EIDL and the PPL already dwarf by a multiple what was done in 2008. It's Sunday, April 26th. You'll hear plenty of background noise, traffic, helicopters, and the like, which suggests to me that things are picking up a little bit, for whatever that's worth, in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, what I can say, though, is whether or not you're a fan of Michael Moore, the filmmaker, he started a podcast recently, and he records it from his Manhattan apartment, where the second bedroom is his uh, studio. You hear sirens helicopters, you know, all the noise of Manhattan done this. He's been hunkered down and and locked in since, I mean, way, way back in the beginning. Now, in any event, as I sit here doing this now, you know, I've just got reflection on this. You know, I've invited Michael, Michael Moore, Mr. Moore, to join us on this podcast. We'll see if he answers. It's been kind of a kick for me listening to him as he tries to keep up on the news and the events. And he does these flash uh, podcast and the like. Well, I've been sitting here for four or five days trying to put this piece together and it's just been a fire hose of information coming towards us. To summarize in no particular order, in the last week there's been a lawsuit filed in federal court against the major banks. Congress has approved the president has signed into law additional funding under the CARES Act. Unemployment numbers have been released nationally and locally. The discussion of flattening the curve continues, and it appears that we are in fact. There has been a discussion of moral hazard, which we'll get into a little bit uh, shortly. And then finally, and almost unbelievable, unbelievably I should say, we're trying to figure out whether or not bleach and ultraviolet light can actually cure the virus. You just can't make this stuff up. Comedic as well as dramatic. This is serious. I'm reading now from an announcement on the SBA's website titled Additional Funding Notice. Tomorrow, the SBA, meeting Monday, will resume accepting Paycheck Protection Program applications from participating lenders at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. With the additional funding provided by the new COVID-19 relief package, SBA will resume processing EIDL loans and advanced applications that are already in the queue on a first come first served basis. We'll provide further information on the availability of the EIDL portal. To learn more, click here. So that's where we are. Sunday night, sheltered at home. safer at home, going out wearing masks, gloves, restricted movement. The curves apparently are flattening, at least in those states, California, New York and elsewhere, that have paid heed. We'll see what happens in the, I hate to say the red districts, but in other districts where they haven't paid such close attention. Most of us following the rules. Not a lot of people on the road, although we may be safer at home. Yet be careful when you get out on the road because speeding is rampant. Crime may be down overall, but be careful on the roads. I realize I forgot a couple other things went down this week. Oil prices. At one point, the futures contract on the near-month oil went negative, negative by almost $40 a barrel. What that means is oil producers were paying buyers $40 a barrel to take their supply away. Never happened before. Imagine going to the gas station, filling up your tank and having the cashier pay you to drive away. That's what happened in the futures market. We'll get to that later. But what's important here is it brings into question OPEC, the Russians, the survival of our energy patch as well, meaning natural gas, fracking, domestic oil production. We also have money allocated for an airline bailout. We have talk of both a deflationary spiral and an inflationary spiral, up and down, so we'll get to those monetary and uh, economic theories sometime over the coming days. We have Larry Summers, a prominent, uh, typically left-wing economist member of the Fed, former member of the Fed, sparring with Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell also sparring with Governor Cuomo. As Mitch McConnell, on the Senate floor, as the new dollars were approved, stated that he believed that the states should use the bankruptcy laws. In other words, states could go bankrupt. All this to be addressed in more detail. But for the moment, let's recap the CARES Act and what happened. So the original act two and a quarter trillion dollars, depending on how it's looked at, with a fair amount of money going to the PPP and the EIDL programs, which promptly ran out of money a few days after opening. So CARES Act two comes around and allocates a significant capital to the programs again. So that takes the PPP up to $670 billion with a B, and the EIDL up to about $80 billion. During the first part, the first distributions of the CARES Act, the first $350 billion doled out, just keep this in mind, fees to the banks for providing that service, in other words, for taking your loan application, submitting to the SBA with the eventual intent of not even keeping that loan on their balance sheet since they're indemnified against it, the banks made approximately $10 billion in fees on the first tranche and are expected to make another 10 billion in fees on the second tranche. In roughly 12 hours, the SBA will be active again, they will begin accepting PPP applications and the EIDL will begin working through the existing backlog. On the books, roughly 30 million Americans are now out of work. More than since the Great Depression, that makes it the highest number of unemployed in essentially 90 years, with a rate of 11%, some say 10 to 15% by the end of this month, just a few days from now, that's for the insured. For those that aren't insured, meaning everybody else, the rate's probably 25% already. One out of four in the U.S. are unemployed. If you're working in the restaurant industry or happen to be in L.A. County, there's a belief that the overall L.A. County unemployment rate is over 50 percent and higher in the restaurant industry we haven't seen anything like this we're in unchartered territory people say it often but now we really are that includes or i should say that fails to include a whole group of people that are yet to be able to apply under something called the pandemic unemployment assistance program also under the cares act that's additional money for W-2 employees that have been laid off, as well as money for those of us that can't typically get unemployment, self-employed and the like. Well, in California, the program will not even be up and running. In other words, up to sign up until Tuesday the 28th. Therefore, you have two things happening. You've got a half a million or a million people in California that haven't yet filed for unemployment, at least. and. Once they do file, there's going to be a lag, maybe another two, three weeks before the first checks go out, which puts us into the middle of May, and therefore folks haven't had paychecks in 8, 10, 12 weeks. It's a significant issue. So now let's talk about the lawsuits that were filed against the major money center banks. So the banks are being accused of favoritism, what does that mean? It means a couple of things. First, as we know, they favored the business customers over the retail consumer. Right? If you don't have a business account, we're not even going to take your loan. We've talked about that before. That's the first thing. Second thing is it appears that at least in the larger institutions, uh, J.P. Morgan, Chase, and a few of the others, that they cherry-picked the first loans the first applications that were made, accepted in the first loans, went to their most profitable clients. Secondly, if you were a private client, in other words, you have a brokerage account at J.P. Morgan or at the other big firms, apparently what happened was your broker was allowed to help you fill out the application and then essentially walk your app to the front of the line at the bank. Not good. Let's talk about what the bank's defense is going to be first and foremost they're going to say they had to make a business decision they have existing customers that need to be serviced so they chose to service their most important their most profitable clients first they're going to argue that due to something called the know your client and the anti-money laundering rules that they had to service their customers as opposed to the general public the intent of the act the cares act was to provide money to everybody. Small business person up to firm with 500 employees. In practice, what happened is the bank serviced their own clients first and their largest clients at the top of the heap. The argument being, we've got a business decision to make here and we have to know our clients. So after 9-11, there was an enhancement of this, meaning you need to take ID from the client and and the like and anti-money laundering Is why when you try to move amounts of cash greater than ten thousand dollars or greater than five thousand dollars at this point, or there's money coming into your account, or you have a brokerage account, it's why you answer all these all these questions about the source of your funds and why they file reports and all of that. So the banks are going to lean on that and say, look, we had to follow those rules, and we serviced our clients first. It's in direct opposition to the intent of the act, but that will be their defense now we get to the heart of things more money has been allocated the rules have been rewritten slightly or i should say the act have been written slight uh, rewritten slightly such that 60 billion of the new money is to be directed towards community banks the theory being if you get money down to uh, smaller banks and smaller communities that some of the disadvantaged classes or disadvantaged folks will have greater access to capital it's a questionable thought but anyway that's that's the intention Now we face the ugly reality of life in America. It's been going on for the last 40 years and only accelerated over the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years. You know, top 1%, top 5%, top 10% own the vast majority of wealth. No argument to that. What's happening here and what's going to take a while, what will take a while to play out, is this disparity, this steepening of the pyramid, which we all uh, hope and had believed would allow you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. An immigrant comes and uh, takes a job in the factory and moves up and up and up to own the factory and, you know, the American success story. Well, that's become less and less easy to do. One of the unintended consequences of the CARES Act and the, the current situation is The good thing is that they tried to get money out, and money is coming out to the general public relatively quickly. The bad news is, as soon as money goes to start stabilizing the financial markets, and I won't say bailing out the banks, it's the wrong term this time, but greasing the wheels, making sure that the municipal bond market and treasury bond market, money market funds, and and all of this, all these markets are functioning, those in the know... Or that are paying attention, investors know that we can sort of follow the, uh, follow the scent. The Fed went and the Treasury went broader and deeper than ever before and has waded into the junk bond markets, meaning the less than investment grade markets, and beyond that into the municipal bond market. The municipal bond market is important and brings to the forefront what Senator McConnell was talking about on the floor as well as Governor Cuomo the muni bond market essentially is the way that cities, counties, and states fund their operations or fund or raise capital in the marketplace. So operations are funded by tax revenues and then there are borrowings. When a state or a municipality borrows money, it's in what we call a municipal market, a tax free bond market. This is essential to the Finances and operation of each of the 50 states. So when McConnell says let the states go bankrupt, it's a ridiculous idea, because as soon as that happens, or there's even the sniff or the fear of that happening, the overall stock market, bond market, and the economy will face an earthquake that we rarely have faced. You know, New York City went bankrupt at one point. You know, and various other municipalities uh, over the last. You know 30 years but it's rare and it's very troublesome when it happens so when mcconnell said that it's really stoking fears and it's a political thing mostly he may have some underlying economic belief but mostly it's a political thing cuomo turned around and challenged him and said you know i dare you the gist of that being look the world will come undone as we know it if you let this happen I stop here on that point and get back to the ugly reality of America and the steepening of the curve. I had a rather heated discussion with a very old friend of mine the other day about racism and what element race plays in the distribution of these funds and in America generally. I argued that the distribution of the funds under the CARES Act is more or less colorblind, and. Those that were already advantaged were able to gain further advantage through the system. So if you were moneyed, or had a private banker who would take care of you, or your business that had access to attorneys and this and that, you got that. That happened. It took money away from the general public, regardless of whether or not you're whether you're black, white, or other. Now, my friend was trying to emphasize to me that the structural impediments and the issues. Uh, in American society, society race in America played a significant role here and upon reflection you know he's absolutely right the structural impediments are only enhanced and the good things are improved but the impediments are further further worsened the concentration of wealth to get back to the story of how the investor class or the hedge funds and private equity, which I don't want to villainize because they they do play a vital role in this economy. But those in the know understood that, hey, if the Fed's going to come along and buy junk bonds, well, we ought to get there first and buy some because as soon as the Fed comes in, the market's going to go up, the price is going to go up. So that's happened all throughout the markets and the economy. Therefore, this program that's trying to get money out to the people allowed those who have access to capital to garner even more wealth in tough times. Nothing illegal about that. It's just their inherent advantages are now being strengthened. The pyramid is steepening. Those at the bottom, and we can define what the bottom is, but those on the lower half or lower 80%, 90%, whatever it is, are being further disadvantaged. The gap between rich and poor is widening. That's the bottom line take this one step further and look into the, the social issues, and again, I'm not gonna choose red versus blue, but look what's been happening. You've got folks protesting the idea of keeping the economy shut down, right? There's an argument for that, but when you throw on top of it, American flags off the back of the truck and President Trump 2020 flags off the back of the truck and fatigues and long rifles and all of that, it brings another element into play That again is the ugly underbelly of America. So you take that on the one hand, and then the other side of the coin, something we haven't seen since the really since the 60s, where you had social uprising, right? Riots in the street, fighting and the like. I'm not predicting this. But what happens when the unemployment rate gets to twenty-five, thirty, forty percent—you know, whatever the number might be—or even if it if it drops off and we're back to fifteen or eighteen percent, or even ten percent, which is double, triple where it has been—what happens when that group of people understands that I don't have a job, I don't have any money, I'm hungry, I'm sick, I'm angry—you know, all of these factors? What happens then if you have folks in these communities, uh, black, Hispanic, poor, white? but the economic class of that level, looking around and saying, I can't afford health care. I don't have a job. Peaceful protests can turn violent very quickly, especially when one side has got long rifles and is waving the American flag around. So again, not a prediction, but these are the things that are coming. Something we're going to have to deal with. And I don't know that we're prepared for it. Societal issues that play out over years decades I don't know that we're prepared for it now let's take a look at what we used to call the middle class and I'm not even gonna try to define that at this moment but we'll call it the middle class you own a home you have a job used to be one person but now man and woman husband and wife partners they both work yet savings are tight and one or both of you is out of work. What happens there? You lean on savings. Okay, maybe you don't have savings, maybe you do. Let's say you are in a bit of a better spot and you've got a home equity line of credit and credit cards and a good job. Well, one of the other things that's happening right now is banks are starting to tighten up credit at just a time when we shouldn't be doing that. What do I mean? Well, banks are already cutting credit lines. So you may get a credit card that you haven't used for a while. You may get a letter that says, hey, your line was $25,000. You haven't been using it. It's now $5,000. Probably not even an explanation, just a letter. They can do that. Or you have a home equity line of credit, right? When times were good, you had equity in the house. You set up a line. Maybe you haven't drawn on it or you haven't used all of the you know, $250,000 line on your house, same thing. Bank's going to cut that line and tighten credit. So what that means is for the what we'll call the middle class that have uh, certain advantages, even those advantages are now being squeezed. Take the story one step further. Let's look at small business, restaurateurs, dry cleaners, you know, any of the small businesses in the community. Focus on restaurants for a minute. You know these establishments run on very very tight margins. Now I've been shut down for a month, six weeks. I can tell you that the three or four dozen firms that I've interacted with, uh, people and small businesses that I've interacted with over the last six weeks. Uh, I'm aware of two restaurants that are unlikely to reopen. One had been around for 40 years. Um, I'm aware of a dry cleaners that's not opening. Uh, in the media arena, there are others that aren't opening. So let, let's run through that for a minute. The economy reopens, yet there's been permanent damage to A group of folks that were self-employed, provided uh, income for their families from a local business. You're going to see rising bankruptcies and just dire straits for many people. Those jobs aren't coming back. Those little firms aren't coming back, at least in the short term. Now, Stay with me for a little bit here. I know it's depressing, but let's just get through the argument. Are you gonna go to a movie theater? Are you gonna go sit in a restaurant? Are you gonna go to a crowded bar? How are your behaviors gonna change? Are you gonna get on a plane to go on vacation this summer or in the fall? Are you gonna get on a cruise ship? How are your behaviors gonna change? You know, after the Great Depression, there was an entire generation of people that were savers, right? Think about your grandparents or the elders that saved every penny Saved pennies, as a matter of fact. And as kids, we didn't understand it. We kind of laughed and made fun. This might be what we're facing. Interviews that we did last week with the college students and the the forward thinkers, the leaders of tomorrow, one of the things I was trying to drive at. Is this going to be the event that molds their life, the point from which they look forward and all else is marked? May very well be. In a few hours, the SBA opens the window again starts lending the $1,200 checks continue to go out we have certain states or municipalities reopening the economy we're very close to reopening and even the states that are a bit further behind New York California the like are within let's say a month so life will start to get back to the new normal an overused phrase, but the new normal, whatever that means. I can tell you that in speaking with a contact in the entertainment, the music industry, who does a lot of business in Asia, particularly China, he swears that they have just started selling tickets for new concerts and that they blew out, they sold out almost immediately. Okay. perhaps it'll happen. It's summertime, economy starts to reopen, Hollywood Bowl reopens, and hopefully we get right through this. It's an unknown though, and this one's going to hurt. It's going to leave a mark. What have we learned? What do we think is going to change? We've learned that we're not invincible that pandemics, although rare, are a reality. We've learned that healthcare is a real issue, particularly in times of crisis. We've learned that Zoom, other online forms are a substitute for office time. We haven't gotten into that right now, but just think about it. If you're a firm and you have 20,000 square foot and an A-class tower, And you've now learned that, you know, my employees can work from home two or three days a week. When it comes time to renegotiate your lease, you may not even wait, but when it comes time to renegotiate, you're gonna say, you know what? I don't need quite as much space. And by the way, Mr. Landlord and Mrs. Landlord, I don't wanna pay $10 a foot. I wanna pay $7 a foot. So that's got a lasting impact on things. The upside is, we're not going to push technology forward. We can work from home and all of this. But the dynamic changes in the workplace, the dynamic changes for commercial real estate and the value there potentially. What about WeWork and shared office space? What happens there? I don't know. It's an interesting question. But you know, will society, will young folks go back to communal workspaces? I don't know. It's an interesting question. I'm striving. I'm trying to figure out how to end on a high note here. And I guess that the best thing I can come up with is we have started to flatten the curve. If we hadn't, the 55,000 deaths that have happened in the U.S. as of tonight would have been substantially higher. You know, just think about that for a minute. That's the upside, right? That we didn't have more deaths. It is something to be thankful for, but wow, it's heavy. What about regional disparities? You know, we didn't get into this yet either, but I go with a saying, it's not personal until it's personal. So if you're in Manhattan, New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, you're right at the face of it. You're, it's in your face been a horrible terrible experience not just from television but your family member neighbor friend friend of a friend you know somebody it's been dramatically impacted versus if you're in a district in the center of the country that hasn't yet had a problem maybe never will have a problem all you see is what's on TV and you can't understand why the economy shut down perhaps these are interesting questions to ponder that will have lasting impact The upside, again, I think has to be that we made it through, at least we've made it so far, we've learned that technology is going to allow us to work in different ways, everything from actually earning a living to socializing, schoolwork, all of that, it probably leapfrogged us years, if not a decade or two forward, that's a good thing. Where are we going next with future episodes of this story? Currently, I'm reading, well, I'm actually listening to 36 hours worth of a book that I read that every first-year economics student reads, Adam Smith's The Wealth of Nations, Scottish Economist, published in, believe it or not, 1776, the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, division of labor, concept of free markets, the three functions of government, the rule of law public goods, meaning highways and bridges, and national defense. Then I'm going to review federalism and I'm going to go back and look at some of the federalist papers and try to address the issues that have come up during this situation. In other words, the role of the federal government versus the role of the states. And then from there we'll talk about classical economics and what's really at work. We'll have more input on financial markets, We'll look at technology and how things are changing, and hopefully we will then be at a point where the sickness and the pandemic, coronavirus, and all of this will be in the rearview mirror.